Hello everyone, here we are again, and uh, still on the brown couches. Uh, it's, uh, it's an overcast day today, and uh, I was just mentioning the beautiful trees uh, outside your office here, Rob. But what I particularly want to mention today is uh, this, this beautiful plant here, Rob. I mean, how have you got those flowers to bloom like that? I, I honestly, I asked you just now, is this real? <laughs> Yes, somehow that plant has managed to, you know, uh, to flourish despite my clumsiness, despite the fact that I don't have a single green finger on any of my hands. So I'm grateful to that plant because it makes me look good in ways I utterly don't deserve. Does that plant give you that foundation, Rob? That, that It's absolutely <laughs> feeding me level one, uh, nutrients on a daily basis. All right, Rob. Well, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture of that plant. Maybe other people might not think it's as spectacular as I've described it, but I I'm amazed at those flowers. I just please think do, Stuart. Could just be my redemption. So, Rob, uh, well, last week we 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 talked about about feelings and and just looking at ourselves. What what do you want to take us to today? Yeah, Stu. So I'm going to carry on with this because for me it's just so jolly important. I was talking to a mom the other day, and she said that you know. Um, she'd been really busy. She'd had a lot of demands at work. It had been a grotty month, to be honest. And she was feeling disconnected from her, her son, um, teenager. He'd been busy. He had schoolwork to do. Um, he had been spending a lot of time in his room. His game, you know, his uh, PlayStation had been working overtime. And the two of them had been a bit like ships in the night. And so... You know, we spoke about this importance of connecting um, for her and for him. You know, just to check in, <laughs> we live in the same home, we're family. How the heck are you doing, you know? So she decided to be brave. She decided to be intentional. And, uh, you know, she switched off the TV, um, called her son, said to him, come, we're going to sit on the table, sit around the table. You know, he looked at her bemused, I think, thought, you know, she, she's idiot what are what are you doing you know we don't do this and uh stony silence started their meal and then little bit by little bit she started to ask you know how are you doing and you know and how are you doing really you know and of course this teenager was virtually mute you know he wasn't going to say anything at all and uh the meal finished in the mom's eyes it was an, an utter failure no real connection at all and um back he went and started up the PlayStation again, and and the evening wound its way down. Interesting, though, the next day, uh, when they got together in the evening, he started to talk and volunteered a few things in response to the questions his mom had asked the previous day. And so it was like for her a bit of hope bloomed, you know, that yes, her teenager probably doesn't want a lot of interaction from her, doesn't want to deal with her you know, all the time, but by golly, her connection with him really matters. And the important thing is that she had helped him to think about himself. She had opened up space for him to talk. And so what I want to say to parents is, don't worry about seeming silly. Please watch that. Don't worry if your child looks at you strange because you're doing something out of the ordinary. Let's remember that we are in extraordinary times. This is the time to do new things as a parent. This is the time to risk making good changes towards connection, towards relationship. 
and in addition to the risk or the fear, if you like, of seeming silly, I also want to say, don't worry about making a mistake. You know, quite a few parents worry that if they ask an unhappy child about what's going on, they're going to make it worse. They're going to make their child even more unhappy. So if I talk to you in the midst of your gloom, you're going to get worse. You know, maybe you might even do something terrible because I happen to ask you about it. And I'm saying to you, don't, don't worry about that. If you approach a child with the intention to understand, it's always an act of care. You might hash it up badly. You might really, especially if you've not had a lot of practice, you might say something downright silly. But if your intention and your orientation towards your child is one of caring enough to try and understand, then I'm saying that you are absolutely on the right track. And it's something that you can build um, into your parenting or, if you like, uh, strengthen in your parenting if during this busy time it's waned a little bit. That's really good. Good, um, I suppose, reminder because I think of even my own situation. There's times where I ask a question, and I've obviously got uh, you know young kids, but let's particularly talk about our eight-year-old. The idea that there's times when I ask questions, and the, when he's gloomy, he kind of just throws his hands up and goes, "He doesn't know, doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know." Now, we have an, some activities we do to try and help him understand what what's going on, but sometimes it feels like. You know, I can never get anything out of him. So it's really helpful for me to think about the fact that still continuing to do that actually really does matter. And uh, it, it really does. But Rob, what would you say to younger kids, uh, you know, parents of younger kids, when their kids kind of can't, you know, don't have the words to be able to actually say what's going on? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, look, it is a bit simplistic, but sometimes simple promotes clarity. So at the risk of oversimplifying, I would say that if your child is in pre-primary or below, you know, if you've got a little toddler, then really what you're mostly doing is, is you're doing a lot of level one parenting, which is really around tuning in and keeping the child content and keeping the child um, happy, if you like, because their world is really around the home. There's not a lot that they're doing out there in the world. And raising an infant is, is really level one care. You're not going to start, you know, I don't think anyway, you know, throwing rugby balls at your infant or, you know, you'll, you'll wait until they get a bit older before you introduce them to the world out there. So I think for little kids, it, it's around making sure that we have the space and energy as parents so that self-leadership is important. You hinted, uh, hinted at that last episode that we can actually have um, that, that link, that tuning into our children and, and just getting a sense of where they're at and asking them where they're at. But I don't think it needs to be too complicated because they're not at that stage trying to engage in a lot of level two work, which is around out there in the world performing. Okay, so, so that, and then, and then sort of that, that phase from now they entering school and, and, and up to sort of 12 years old, uh, would you say that that's a bit different? It is different. I mean, gee, you think of your Jess now starting pre-primary. Already the world is asking things of her. Already as parents, you are starting to mediate between the world and her. Already you are making meaning. She comes back from school with a triumph. 
and you reflect on that with her in certain ways, which promotes meaning around that event. She comes back from school with a setback and you mediate, you promote meaning around that. What does it mean for her? How do you keep the hope alive in this little soul? So you are starting now to do a lot of level two parenting, which is promoting meaning at the interface of Jess and the world out there. So there's a lot there, and it will be highly emotional. I mean, Jess comes back from school having had a set-to with a friend or an enemy, you know, someone now she doesn't like that person. You know, someone whacked her with a lunchbox. You, you, you engage with that. How does she, what does she do with that outrage? Um, how does she manage that emotion? Now, in the evening with you guys, that would be an example of absolutely emotional work for you and Sam. And then in terms of vocabulary, is that something that you would want to build in children at, at a young age in terms of, you know, the different types of feelings and, and, and them able to actually express the different types of feelings? Or how would you go about that, Rob? Or is that not something that, that interests you too much? It interests me a great deal, as you can imagine, because language is a way of understanding. Language is a way of providing meaning. I think with little kids, you want to keep it in sort of simple blocks. Good and bad would be a perfectly fine place to start feeling bad. I think there are from that sort of simple emotions that children can readily grasp. I'm not sure about nuanced things, you know, jealousy or, you know, uh, those types of more complicated um, emotional experiences. But for sure, you know, you start from the get-go to to give words to children's experiences because they can use that. That immediately, I think, starts to promote their self-regulation, which I think we've spoken a little bit about in previous episodes, their ability to manage their own emotions, their own engagements with the world. And then maybe just a final question, jumping all the way back to teenagers and, and where you started. So what about those parents who they just don't see any progress? They just they keep trying, they keep going with the intention and it's you know it's a month down the line and 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 there just isn't really any engagement i think there are those um, that i know and what would you say to them there certainly are and um, i see teenagers like that i don't see many teenagers who put up a wall for months and beyond mostly teenagers will start to um, enter into talking with their parents um, often on their terms, but they often do start to talk. But I have met some teenagers who who say, you know, no, it's just annoying, I'm not going there. But at the same time, I must say that all of those teenagers, or let me rather put it this way, none of them has said to me that um, they can't see their parents care. It does help them to realize and to feel or experience their parents' care and concern, which for me is not a bad let's say, third or fourth prize for parents who feel like all of their efforts are, are coming to nothing. At least your teenager knows that you care, and that's something. And maybe one other then, um, the, the, the teenager that does start engaging but places most of the blame on, on the parent or, or you know throws a lot back at, at the parent, which is also, I'm sure, a common occurrence if I think back to my, my teenage years. And that can create quite a lot of gunkiness for you as a parent, what do you do with that? 
Uh, absolutely. I think this might well be, and I didn't think of it in the last episode, another reason why we don't go into emotional conversations is that maybe it's going to get very complicated. And maybe there are things going on in the home that we'd rather not talk about. Whew. This is not easy. Uh, lead it, leading in the home is not easy. But I think again, I'm saying to all of us, for goodness sake, we only get one shot at this. Take the deepest of breaths. I think it's worth it and give it a go. You and I have, have said uh, privately in our own conversations and we've mentioned it in these, in these episodes that um, parenting is also there to raise us. Parenting is there to challenge us. And it's good, although difficult, when our teenagers challenge us. But, you know, we must let them do that. We must let them have it out with us. And often their anger with us is the first, if you like, um, message towards healing. Because underneath that anger will be hurt. Underneath that anger will be needs that maybe we haven't met for some time. And, and, and the time maybe is now for us to meet those needs. Maybe just to finish off to say that, uh, you know, going, I just go back to your foundation, even in, even as a teenager, um, even as an adult. I mean, I'm crying it out from, you know, from you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but that foundation is still necessary and we still, our kids still need, no matter how old they are, like I mentioned about my parents, uh, being able to give them a call and know that, that they're going to just, they're going to actually just care about you and who you are and not want anything that you perform for them well absolutely so let's say for instance a teenager starts to give his or her parents a real go and they say to him you know something along the lines of you expect too much from me whenever i see you all you ask me about is my schoolwork you know uh, you know you're so annoying you know all of these kinds of things and then from there if we can stay the course if we can be brave and keep going with the conversation we realize that yes, they need that from us. They need to know that we care about what they're doing in the world. But maybe too, they also need to know that we love them. That in actual fact, it's not about the schoolwork. Um, and I think that we we realize this as parents when our children are in trouble. We realize, you know, when they're actually in really in real trouble. Oh my word, you know, none of that stuff out there matters. Their sport doesn't matter. Their schoolwork doesn't matter. How they're going in the world doesn't matter. I just want you to be all right. And sometimes we only realize that um, when our kids are really battling. Thanks, Rob. Always good to hear these things and to um, yeah, not just be reminded, but be prompted in ways anew.